My name is Eddie Michelson. My name is Lucas Anderton. And this is episode seven of Go Wonk Yourself. Wow, seven episodes. Wow, we're going to do that every episode. We are. But today is a very special episode, mainly because we are joined with two guests. Not one, but two. Two guests. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. That's right. My name is Raj Degay. Hello, I'm Kenneth Clark. And these are our friends from Roper Hall, the really sad place we live in. It's our last episode before spring break, so we thought we'd make it a special episode. Kenny has been referenced on the podcast before. Um, true, well, true. I don't know what we were talking about. But we, were ta- oh, we were talking about... It was in your last episode. You were it talking about M- episode. Mitt Romney. Oh, yeah. Mitt Romney. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kenny was like, Lucas, actually, you're a bad liberal for not hating Mitt well, Romney. And actually, I before this that. podcast I started... I by that statement. Uh, Kenny actually claimed to be more of a liberal than you are. I think he which is. is interesting. Due well, to your Marxist ten, uh, tendencies, so I'm kind of I'm a very outspoken liberal, but I'm not very liberal. So for all our viewers out there, I just want to quickly state... Oh, I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> listeners out there. Uh, Lucas represents kind of the left side along with Kenneth, and then the right side is more of uh, Edward and I. So, and we both are neither... Uh, Raj is a centrist cuck. Don't let him tell you otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, I am a centrist, but that's not a bad thing, and we'll talk about that hopefully later. Actually, I want to talk about how centrism is bullshit. So. Really? Yes. I'm going to defend that. That's our t- title of our episode. Centrum is, centrism is bullshit? Centrism is bullshit. Interesting. All right. All right. Well, let's let's get started with some news. How about that? Well, I, I think first we should just follow up on the Parkland um, shooting that happened that we were talking about yeah, we should. In, in, uh, in length, uh, the last episode. Uh, it turns out that the... Um, law enforcement that was involved in this uh, in this case They're are cops. actually more incompetent that, than we originally thought. Uh, CNN did uh, report that at least three, I believe, police officers were outside during the shooting. Um, really? Yeah, and they were sort of just standing down. Uh, we still don't have all the information on that, but that is how it stands at the moment. Uh, just complete incompetence. And also, we have... Um, other information that uh, suggested that the shooter himself actually called the police on himself yeah. prior to the shooting. Really? And they still didn't do anything about it. What so. is it? Is it Broward County? I think, I think yeah. that's what it's called. Yeah. And the sheriff the sheriff is... I, I am kind of mad at him. He's kind of standing up with the liberals, but um, and he's like, oh, we need gun control, but he's not taking any accountability for None. this mm-hmm. um, because he wasn't there. And that he can't control everything all of his deputies do. But that that you're their leader. Like, take some accountability. Uh, uh, I totally agree, yeah. And, I mean, the kids are just getting wrecked on social media. And it's really sad um, to see. Because I, I am really proud of all of them. I mean, they're younger than all of us. And they're doing all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, the Florida State House, after completely, like, throwing away all of their morals, finally passed comprehensive gun reform today. Um, and that's a plus. I, th- and I think that really shows the power that like uh, movements that these kids create can have. Uh, and a lot of times, people were initially I... were very dismissive of their efforts, and then look, they actually got legislation passed in a state that's pretty middle ground and not really uh, completely left or completely right, which I think is a Kenneth, big deal. Kenneth, I beg to differ. Look, I know students can enact change, but I think in the end, private corporations are the more powerful in this. Think about it, right? No, Delta. Remove the support. Dick Sporting Goods removed the support. These are corporations with a lot of power in the U.S. government and a lot of power within the U.S. public. They removed the fact their that su- they removed their support for the NRA, the fact that they pr- removed their support for uh, the current uh, rights that we have for gun laws, 
shows that the federal uh, that the Florida State Senate and Florida House They've, had to change things. They remove their support because there's these kids put them in the spotlight and said if you don't remove your support, all of our million Twitter followers. By the way, some of these uh, Parkland students now have more Twitter followers than the NRA. And, yes, that's true. And they are using this power of social media to get the NRA to just be like completely screwed. Almost every corporation that had some sort of partnership with the NRA has pulled their partnership. That's very true. And it was, there was, I read an article, it was something like within two hours of each company that uh, these Parkland students were calling out for their partnership, they were canceling the partnership. Two hours. That's all it took. Look, the power can, of Twitter. And that's young true. People. Look, I can understand that social media serves as a mediator between the US public and lawmakers, but I still think that the real changers in society are private corporations. And I think that's important to recognize because we always demonize private corporations for the thing they do. But the truth is they represent what consumers want. And these consumers are the kids. These kids are going to Dick's Sporting Goods to pick up their softball equipment, their baseball equipment. And in the end, they're the ones who enact change within those corporations. Everyone says corporations are bad. They are. They. <laughs> All right, but if I may just exercise my sure, free sure, speech please. here. Uh, I still uh, want to say that I think that what the corporations are doing right now is just pragmatic virtue signaling in response to this, and uh, I don't think it's like I don't think it's that admirable to be completely honest. I can. I think that, what yeah. they're doing is kind of dumb, honestly. And as far as the I don't think it's dumb. as far as the students who are speaking out, obviously they have every right to do that. But the fact that they experienced a tragedy doesn't make them experts on the, on gun control. The National and, Rifle Association argues against people with mental health issues having unlimited access to guns they argue against that like they i mean they argue like for the right of people with mental illness to have unlimited access to guns this is not a good organization they do not represent rifle owners no they do not they represent rifle manufacturers that's where all of their money comes from. That's who they care about. Now, I know the viewers can't see this, but Eddie's making a little bit of face about what Lucas just said. But The NRA is an interest group that represents the interests of the Second Amendment and gun owners themselves. That's and they wouldn't joke. have so much power if they I didn't have so, so many members. They don't have that many members. They have millions of members. They have like five million members. Is that is that not? They have a lot of members, but a lot of the members don't support everything they do. They sign up for the NRA for the sake of being part of the NRA because it doesn't cost that much money. No, All it of doesn't. the NRA's lobbying power comes from gun manufacturers. That's where the NRA's bank account gets filled from, gun manufacturers. And when you have that many people signed up to pay like five, ten dollars a month, that adds up really quickly. Eighty percent of people are in favor of universal background checks and people with mental illnesses having limited access or no well, look, access. Even to I'm in favor of that, and I don't know like the exact. But the NRA use against that stuff. Yeah, well, and think about this way, too. The NRA has lobbied forever against it. I've heard the name of the specific amendment, but it's the amendment that prevents the CDC from researching Dickey amendment. Lines. That's the right. Amendment. And isn't that wrong? Shouldn't we have a right to know about guns and their effect on our society and our communities? Like, isn't that yes. isn't the right to research something that should be warranted and validated? And the NRA has been fighting against that for years and years and years. But here's the thing. The NRA is completely taking the Republican Party by hostage in the same way that Big Pharma does that to Democrats, right? And look, I'm saying I'm not saying that you know special interest groups are a good thing, but the fact that the NRA has such control over the Republicans definitely does I define do, I the I don't base. think the NRA has that much control over yes, Republicans. Yes, they, I think they absolutely do. How much money did the NRA donate to uh, Marco Rubio's campaign? It was like, what? And why would they not denounce him? It was, was not millions. It was like, it was, it was in the thousands, actually. It was not even close to a million dollars. You can look that up. It was not a lot of money at all. 
So Marco Rubio I, and John McCain took suggest, more than anyone else. I think this. I think to suggest that they have some kind of chokehold on every Republican legislator is just untrue. It's more along the lines of they have the threat. So like, that's true. yeah, they don't donate a lot to Marco Rubio, but they'll damn sure donate a lot to Marco Rubio's primary opponent if he doesn't listen to everything they say. And that's what they threaten to do everywhere. Yeah, that's fair. I just I just don't buy into the notion that the NRA has some like huge uh, chokehold on legislators in in and that the legislators who are advocating for the Second Amendment and are going against gun control proposals that they don't find uh, that they don't find will help. I don't think that they're doing that because of the NRA. I think they're doing that based on their own principles. Look, I know I, f- I feel like special interests, no matter what side they're on, whether they're on the Democratic Party side or Republican Party sides, always has a very, very big role to play in the parties. Now, I feel like, for example, Big Pharma with the Democrats or... 3.2 million. 3.2 million, that's the number? Okay, that's not actually a lot. Like, compared to, like, other... Like, th- that's not a lot. That's okay. really not a lot. That's a significant foundation for the Republican Party, though. That mm. really is. No, it's not. $3 million? Can we also that's talk about pocket how, change. Can we also talk about how the NRA was the intermediary between the Russian government funding, funneling money into Trump's campaign? That's undispu- indisputable, whatever that word is. There is literally a money trail of the Russian government giving money to an American University grad student who gave money to the NRA. Hey, you. Go AU. Go Wonks. Go Wonks. Go oh, Wonks. Go AU. Let's not. Okay. Um, and that money went straight to the NRA, which went straight into President Trump's campaign. Oh, my God. I just called him President Trump. What's going on? Um, Sad. Can we talk about tariffs? Yes, uh, I agree. Tariffs are yes. absolute garbage. All right, I next segment. We, we all agree on this. This is a terrible oh, idea. I, I, it's actually kind of depressing I that we have to talk about this. I'm yeah, gonna yeah, argue. It really is. I'm gonna argue for tariffs now. Just no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not. Okay. Gary, Cole, someone Gary, here. I has think uh, Gary Cohen will be sorely missed. Uh, I think he was a great. He was uh, really word important. Of the wise in the Trump administration. Um, you know, a yeah. solid, uh, reasonable voice of free trade, and against a lot of the sort of more alt-right conservatives, sort of in Trump's. Uh, background that are strongly against free trade and i think that's really and bad look, look gary Cohn, he publicly was like i'm considering leaving the white house after how trump handled charlottesville and he didn't leave the white house but tariffs tariffs made this guy finally leave well the white yeah house. that's because he's from goldman sachs nothing else matters more to him than money it's just sad. And economics. <laughs> no, that is, you have a good point there. But imagine how Trump is feeling. Like, Hope Hicks is gone. Gary Cohen's gone. Like, well, Rachel this is Maddow. Nothing new, though. This is nothing new. Uh, we all know that the White House has a revolving door. There's, been, there's no hope left in the that, White House. Isn't that concerning? Yeah, that no, it's absolutely concerning. The people are going in and out. Like, it's not a revolving door. They're not going back in. They're going out, and then they're testifying against them and pleading guilty okay, well, and never going back in. Okay, well, well look at this. People. That's the point. This they're is one new, thing I will say. They're new and new people, I guess, as soon as people leave. And that's just... That's I don't think they're hiring new people. No, they are. Listen to me. Look. Well, they got a new press, press secretary after Sean Spicer. Yeah, they, they got, did. They got, got Sheryl Huckabee Sanders. For, no, before that, they had, uh, what's his name? Mnuch. Oh, I don't know. Who was the Mooch. The Mooch. Oh, yes. Moment of silence for Anthony Scaramucci. Oh, sorry. Oh, my God. God bless him. But look, weeks. I think it Sorry's is a revolving back. door because once one person leaves, another person comes in. Like, Rens Peebus was the uh, chief of staff, right? He was so bad. He I don't know so why bad. he was in but that White House. The person who came after him was John Kelly, right? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. So. And he is a lot better than Rens Priebus. Rens Priebus is. No, look, I don't agree with the politics of John Kelly or Rens Priebus, but John Kelly's a respectable figure. He really he is. is. He really is. He is. And the fact that he's in the White House makes things more stable because he deals with everything from a military perspective, and I think that adds a lot of competence to the White House that it really needs. But the problem is, every leak that comes out of this White House says that Trump doesn't listen to a thing that John Kelly says. And like he goes to these people like uh, like Ivanka, he goes to Jared Kushner, he goes to Kelly and Conway, he went to Hope Hicks. Like I don't think Kelly had much sway over him, mm-hmm. which I think is why Kelly was always so frustrated. I mean, these guys like I don't hate Tillerson, I don't hate Kelly, Ooh. McMaster, but these guys are all on the verge of leaving because I don't. Did McMaster already leave? Like I don't know any respectable figure in the White House doesn't seem to have much of a sway over Donald Trump. That's very true. Trump is making it a family business, and I don't think that's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Trump Organization, except way worse, because they have nukes. Now, I know you said Rex Tillerson is a, is a respectable figure, and I agree with you on that, but I think that the fact that Trump put... And this is where Kenneth and I come in, really, because our foreign affairs is our big thing. So Yes, we're, we're both uh, international relations majors. Mm-hmm. If you don't that's know, like that's like um, It's pretty good. Thanks here for AU. We have good school for it. Yeah. Susan okay. Rice teaches in... Kind of. She's so, an adjunct in this So if there's any high school people months. in this school, please come to AU for Susan Rice, although you'll never see her. Her office is always empty because she works for the deep state coup that's trying to take down Have Trump. Have you ever looked in her office? There's like two Dasani yeah. water bottles there, and they're just there forever. That means it's that she's just never... Saudi, right? It's just Saudi. All right, whatever, Yeah, I was going to correct him, but I didn't want to embarrass him to all our hundreds of thousands of viewers. Hundreds yeah, of thousands? All, all the listeners. Listeners, listeners, come listeners. on. Listeners. It's a podcast. Okay, anyways, like I was saying, right? Rex Tillerson may be a competent guy, but I think having someone from oil serve as the Secretary of State is such a blatant way of saying that oil defines our interests. And I don't think that's good for America's future because our energy in our future is changing and oil should not represent oh, well, that. Okay, hold on a second. Devil's advocate. Wait, hold on a second. I think that's really poetic and symbolic and kind of pretty, Raj. Aww. But to be completely honest, I just think he's not very good at his job. I don't think it has to do with like this huge, like, Tillerson? you know, oil, like, you know, conflict of interest. Like, okay. you know, yeah, I, mean, I, I just don't Tillerson? think he's, I don't think he was like fit for the job I, of Secretary of State. Look, I, 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 I want to defend him. I will him. defend him as well. Like, I don't agree with anything he does, but at the same time, like, he he was a viable candidate because as the CEO of Exxon, uh, he had to deal with world leaders all over the place. He had these global connections. But look, being able to... I support private corporations all the way. You guys know that from Can't everything. Relate. Okay. <laughs> Seize the means of production. Oh my god. Okay, listen, it is, listen boys. The communists. Oh god. The red wave is coming. Ah! That was loud. Anyways, look. What I'm trying to say is that all those private corporations have an interest in our government, being directly involved within the White House, I think is unhealthy. Having an outside voice from the group of, by the, you know, voice of lobbyists and everything, I think is viable and I think is really, tr- uh, really quite strong. But having an inside voice through the White House kind of, eh, it just doesn't seem I don't like see a, any real issue in having someone who has a background in business be put on a cabinet. I thought he was draining the swamp. He is building up on the swamp. Nobody from Goldman Sachs should be in the White House. That I disagree with, though. Oh, God. Look. That just undermines your whole point. You said you don't want anyone from private, the, the private world in the White House. Now you but said you economics want is a... Sox, look, 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 look. Well, White House. E- economics Goldman is a Sox different factor. These right-wing cucks. People from the Bureau of Labor, people from all these small 
governmental agencies don't really know what it's like to be uh, efficient with the economy because they face a lot of bureaucracy within their daily jobs. But Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, all these groups that do financial things. Lehman every Brothers. Day. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> they take advantage of the lower and middle and working class people mm-hmm, to make true. a profit. I can understand They don't that. know that's... anything about the economy except for exploiting the working class. What an absurd assertion. Oh my god. Well, that's not, yeah, no. Lucas, look. Well, okay, look at the tax bill they got passed with um, all of the private interests. That didn't help any normal person. Why does, the, why does the tax bill have above 50% approval rating now after because having 36 ev- when it was passed? Because everyone is confused. So, so they, they just approve of it out of confusion? Oh, I'm right. confused, so I approve of it. They're bringing now. home crumbs. They think that they're doing better because they get bonuses. If they were actually doing better, their wages what, what, would be what's increased. The, how do they think they're doing better without actually... Because they get this $1,000 check. The short-term benefits, but in the long mm-hmm. run, they're going to get no benefits, and it's going to help them. If these companies actually cared about them and were like, if the tax bill was actually changing like how they were doing business... They wouldn't be giving them bonuses. Their wages would be increasing to a living wage. No, boys, if I'm right, this lowers the corporate... You're not right. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. Ouch. That was aggressive. <laughs> it was this show is supposed to be about civil political discourse. <laughs> it I'm is. really sorry, Rob. Well, well, Lucas in person is a lot more aggressive than uh, that he sees with the podcast. Lucas I can tell podcast. you that. Oh, yeah. my God. Anyways, um, if I'm not wrong, um, this legislation... Uh, lowers the corporate tax rate, correct? Yes. That's what are you boys think of that? And it's 20%. still the highest, like in the yeah. developed it is. world. It so is. I think it could be lower um, if we look. I agree. Oh, no, uh, I agree with Eddie on this one. Look, I I know I'm really... trickle down, trickle down. Yeah. It's, it's okay. okay. Does that work so down. well with uh, Calvin trickle Coolidge? Trickle down is an invented term by liberals. It's called supply side economics. Okay. Either <laughs> yes. way, either way, Calvin Coolidge implemented it, and then the Great Depression. Ronald Reagan tried implementing it, and then we had this funny thing called Reaganomics that didn't work. You can't lower taxes and increase spending, especially military spending, and expect that to work out. I agree about the spending thing. I don't think you can, but I don't think military spending is the main spending area in which. That's blowing out our deficit. Oh, I, I think, think it's I think spending is actually programs. extremely important. I, I want to really talk do. about how all these Republicans were talking about Obama's deficit that he cut by two thirds and like this huge debt that Obama grew, but Trump just increased the deficit by a ton, and now the budget or the debt is going to increase way faster than it ever. This did This I agree Obama. with you on. I think the yeah. spending. Yeah, I, I think I, Republicans I on spending. I think Republicans on spending have been absolutely abysmal. They haven't been implementing actual conservative principles mm-hmm. when it comes to spending. If we really want to call ourselves conservatives, we can't just yeah. be liberals with low taxes. We have to yeah. be we have to be low taxes but also low spending. So then to balance does it Mitch out. McConnell just have no spine for going Mitch, for calling well, look, uh, for calling out Obama for deficit spending and then uh, <laughs> later, you know, being oh all for this new tax bill that increases uh, the budget by tenfold. Well look, no, no one here has to convince me that Mitch McConnell has no spine. I've right, well, thought for a sure, long time now. Okay. Uh, but I think uh, wait I think what Rand Paul said about this when the um, Rand Paul is uh, one of about my favorite spending. Senators. I think he's. Oh, okay. I, I, I I kind of agree with him on everything except for military spending. But um, uh, yeah, I, I think that if we if we really want to implement conservative principles, we have we do have to cut back spending. No one wants to touch entitlements. I've said this for a long time this now. Is... Neither side wants to even go there because it's the hot potato of our current. Uh, political discourse. This is well, my- yeah, it's because the baby boomers are getting old and they're all applying for their social security Eddie checks. Eddie and I, we talk so- about this all the time. We are never at this rate going yep. to see these checks that we are funneling straight to old people. Sorry, yeah. baby boomers, you suck. 
Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, that's true. Yeah, we kind of suck, though, too. Parents, <laughs> millennials don't suck. They don't. We, we don't we, do I, shit. I we're not millennials. We're not millennials. 1995 is the cut. Yeah. So Wait, we're, we're actually we're Gen, Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z. Gen Z. Wow, that's terrible. I'm in the Even same... Worse. Yeah. I don't like the name Gen Z. It's yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't think but anyone look, really uses that, though. My, my opinion is this. Like, we can cut spending on a lot of things, but one thing you should not cut on is is defense. Now, hear me out before you say anything, because I know Kenneth is getting really angry right now. I am too. Listen, and Lucas, of course, but listen, the one thing that defines our hegemonic power today is the fact that Hegemonic. hegemonic. It means it means dominance over everyone else because we have the biggest military, we have the biggest. Yes. Wow. No. Listen mm. to me. For us to maintain that now, we need to invest. Mm. Oh my goodness! Please hold on. <laughs> listen, <laughs> we need to invest in our military because China, India, the BRICS have, nations all are right. all competing against us economically. But the one thing we have against all these countries is our power by military. Well, okay. First of all, hold on. First of all, economically, we're still the best, and okay, we are. And we we are. are for now. We okay. are the best for now. Okay, and also when it, when it comes and we to we always will. Be. I don't no. think we need. To, I, I think we do need a huge. Uh, China's about to pass us. A massive, overpowering uh, military. Not per capita, though. Because of um, just we just need to carry the big stick. Like that's, we it do. Really comes we down really to that. do. When it comes to diplomacy, when it comes to talks, we are uh, the next twenty-three military powers behind us are all our allies, except maybe China. But like. The the thing is, we need if if we're gonna increase Allies hold on, if we're gonna increase deficit or defense spending, I want a an itemized defense spending coming out of Congress. I want to increase pay for our military. I don't want to increase. I support that. Like how many trillions I of do. dollars came out that they spent on the development of the new F eighteen or whatever? That's true. That should go to our our men and women in uniform, not yes. to the R and D yes. of the F eighteen, which we don't need. I think this is something we all agree on. If we're going to increase def, uh, uh, defense spending, it should go to those who are putting their lives on the line on less than technology that we don't need. Well, I don't think, like, I, I, okay, like, look, I don't think we can sit here and, like, talk about, like, where that money is best allocated because we're just simply not, like, yes, educated can. enough in this certain No, facet. I agree with that. I, I, I agree I, with I, but, I, I, but as a general rule, I support either keeping the same or increasing current military spending so long as that we I agree as we balance it out with a cutback in spending in other areas mm-hmm. and especially uh, for a tax cut along with that what other areas well i think a lot of entitlement programs need to be scaled back yeah and they, no and I they agree. need to be reformed completely i think welfare is getting given handed out willy-nilly we need to have I, drug I, testing I, for I, it I, and there needs to be more of a then let's drug manner. test all of our government employees because they're not all drug tested fine right now. so be it fine can i pose a question here <laughs> so why when no, we outspe- oh well, who does he think anyways. he is Eddie uh, coming so, on our podcast and asking us questions well, I'm I'm civil, boys, I'm civil. A question so why when we outspend the next six militaries combined can we not afford to increase our spending in education something Great. that we're ranked the lowest in I'm glad you watched the news develop Oh, well, you know, I just like to stay educated. That's so, easy. Okay, okay, hold on. So Can I address good. that for a second? Because the increase in spending is not, it does not correlate with an increase in results. Like, right now, we, we live in D.C. as the highest spending on education in the United States, and yet the results are nowhere near the same standards as other states. There's no correlation between the amount spending on uh, public school systems and the results that we're getting back. If it's spent properly, though, and, like, at the same time, like, Betsy DeVos and the Trump administration are not even trying to fix the Department of Education. They're just tearing it apart. That's, that's true. stupid. That's very sad. Like well, that's the department charter schools have better results. No, they don't. Well, they charter do schools not. are only available to no. the richest people. That's that's the truth. Charter schools are stupid. Yeah. They don't. 
Look, I think one thing that we all need to agree on is that Common Core serves a bad purpose. It's so bad. I we we no, refuse to adopt it in Virginia. And I don't think College Board should be running our high school and middle school education system. That's a private company. It's with disgusting that corporations have like I, I support corporations, but having them infiltrate our our education only builds up uh, our desire to become part of these of these monocratic systems, essentially. And I think we need a more a more diverse thinking. Look, I think if teachers are allowed to allowed to teach what they love and what they're good at, and allow for that specialization, that that's simple economics that allows people to do well in all types of different field, different fields. I I have a question for yes, Eddie, please, or any of you, but really Eddie, the Department of Education serves a lot of purposes, and primarily it's to serve as a floor for some of these like less developed education systems, like Mississippi, Alabama, West Virginia. Um, for example, the uh, Students with Disabilities, what is it? Individuals with Disabilities in the Education Act. The federal government, like a lot of people consider that an overreach of power by the federal government because that's not what the Department of Education was supposed to do. But the problem was there were so many states like Mississippi and Alabama that were not implementing any protection for students with disabilities. So the federal government stepped in. Betsy DeVos didn't say that she wanted to protect uh, IDEA and that she she didn't think it was the role of the federal government. Like, do you guys agree with that? Do you think it's an overstep of the Department of Education? Or do you think that is the very purpose of the Department of Education, to provide that very bottom floor for the rights and protections of our students? Well, typically, like, the bottom floor, I think, as a... This is more of a general philosophical outlook on is that it should be, um, as Ben Shapiro calls it, the social fabric in which communities take care of people who can't, uh, function in the average learning environment and that like they look at options within that context and I think education as a general rule should be done locally and it basically goes like this like so first we have the localities who are in charge of education and if that doesn't work then we have the social fabric to pick up on this like and if that doesn't work then we can have the federal government mm -hmm. uh, pick up right. any any right. other slack uh, you want to jump in here, Kenny? I would like to jump in. So based on that argument, so I'm going to go back in history a little bit. So go back. let's go back to the 1960s and look when our oh, schools boy. were segregated. No, and based, I on the local, based on the local level, oh, do we not need Brown versus Board of, Board of Education? Do you not need any little federal power come in to say, Excellent no, point, our schools point. can't be segregated? Like, no, it's not okay for blacks to go to a poorer school and for whites to go to a better school. Like, I think at some rate... But um, that's illegal. The federal... Well, because of the federal government... Well, I, and I agree, with, well, I agree with... I agree with... I think the, that's what Eddie was saying, is that the, the federal government had to step in at that point because the right. states were refusing to do anything. And that's all I was arguing, right. is that so many states weren't implementing protections for students with disabilities. So that's what I was trying to say. Is like, yeah. I'm saying that like, if the states are not going to provide equal access to education for dis disabled people, then the federal government has every right to step in and provide yeah. that access. I mean, a lot of like libertarian like conservatives argue for the abolishment of the Department of Education. <laughs> I think that's not okay. I, don't I think, think that's, that's stupid. Okay. I hope Eddie agrees with us. Oh god. Oh my. Is this Look, is this a Rick Perry moment where you're listing out? Is that him? too much government? Is the always Department bad. of Commerce, the <laughs> Department I, of Energy. I forget the rest. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Look, all I know is that it, it would appear, based on the statistics, that the way money is being allocated within the Department of Education and towards uh, various public institutions, it's not having a very positive effect or positively correlated with the quality of education that's coming out of them. And I think having localities be able to 
experiment with different types of education and different uh, different institutions without having the federal government set a standard for everyone, I think that would be much more beneficial. Okay, yeah, so we said, like, we all agreed upon, like, no common core. But do you agree with the point that if local schools, like local policies impl- implementing discriminatory practices, that the federal government has a right to step in and say, no, you have to follow these at least basic guidelines? Um, yeah, I would, I would be open to that. I don't think you need an entire department for that, though. No, I would disagree with that. Then what department would it fall under? Yeah, listen, look, the Department of Education shouldn't have... A, think of it like this. Um, the United Nations works as essentially a confederacy, That could right? just be a Where law. Like, that could but just be a federal Every law. law has to be carried out by some executive agency. Which one would it fall under? I think the Department of Education needs to set up certain rules that are mandatory for all states. And then the states can build on top of that. So we said like a basic do. education where everyone can achieve their dreams for, you know, reaching the college hopefully. and hopefully reaching to wherever they want to go. What's and all then schools crap? and states can then mm. go on top of that. And that increases competition. If we always talk about competition at like the private sector, but if you have California, Colorado, and Connecticut woo, competing against each other for education, then you'll see that there's a rise in education for all states. Right? So I think that's important that the federal government sets a baseline and then states are allowed to compete for better educations. Because in the end, parents will choose states with better educations for their children. And that allows for everything to become superior to Unless one they can't find work there. True. That's true. And this goes back to what. They're going to go where they can find work at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think the general principle applies is that if we have institutions who are competing for better outcomes, then we're going to see in a rise in out- outcomes for everyone. Okay, yeah. but on I, that, I think, on that I think note, applying an anecdotal evidence of a family that can't move because they can't find a job doesn't destroy that entire principle. That's true. And look, I feel like parents will take a lower job just because their kids can get a better education. Okay, on that note, we're all pointing I, I would, at Kenny, like like Kenny talk. I would like to um, add to this conversation the fact that, okay, we're talking about competitiveness, but... When teachers are paid with such little salary, what what competitiveness do they have to like? What incentive do they have to really like provide their best services to really compete well, with other teachers around the country? There's actually I think a news the theory on this too. is that the the better the school system and like that competition aspect, that's also going to include teacher pay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Like the better okay. school that's, systems that's generally fair. do also have better teacher pay. Okay. Um, like I'm trying to think like Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Northern Virginia schools like Fairfax. Fairfax is, I think, considered like the best public school is it system. Thomas Jefferson School. Thomas or Jefferson High School. Um, I don't want to give them a shout out. God, I hate that place. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I think teacher pay goes along with that. Um, but this idea that charter schools do better, it's not true. Um, they put money. I, first. Well, okay, like when I say they do better, like obviously the statistical like results are mixed. And that, like, there are some instances in which they do perform better, and there are some instances where they actually perform worse. But I think, in principle, having more uh, jurisdiction to localities for allowing them to experiment with different types of education uh, that more uh, suits the community in which they're in, I think that's a better way... to handle education than a, a blanket standard okay, I th- for everyone. I think we can agree on that and we should move to a, a different topic. I All agree. Right. We've been talking about education for a while. Do we want to talk about either Hopix or Noonsbaum or... I want to talk about Noonsbaum. Yeah, let's talk about that. Talk so, about that was pretty wild. Sure. So this is a, a lead from the Washington Post. Former Trump campaign aide Sam uh, Noonberg. I 
totally spelled his name wrong in the outline. It's Nunberg. Um, Nunberg. Which is Roger Stone's right-hand man and mentee, said that uh, said Tuesday that he plans to comply with special counsel Robert Mueller's subpoena, um, which was a total 180 from literally... It, it said the lead says 24 hours. It was literally an hour later um, when he was saying that he was never going to comply with the subpoena, that he wasn't going to spend 80 hours, I think were his words, digging through his emails just to um, end up making it look like Roger Stone, I think, perjured himself is what he was nervous about. Um, this guy is insane, and I'm pretty sure that CNN even called him out for smelling alcohol on his breath. Yeah, and but I yeah, also think it's mind. hilarious how, I mean, this guy's obviously a little... Kooky. I don't know if it, like he was under kooky the influence or if he's just if he's just <laughs> kooky to begin with. But look, the media could not wait to get their hands on this guy all day long because he was going out there. And, look, I don't. Well, that's obvious because the media is built around getting views to get money, so that's obviously going to be. In this guy was getting them a lot of freaking yeah, views. Yeah, I know. Obviously. Oh my god, I watched he, him. It was on, like reality TV. What did I watch him on? Was it Rachel well, Maddow? Politics is these days. He was on. He was on all. He was, he was on everything. everywhere. Yeah. My mom was like Lucas. I was blown away by the Carter Page interview because that guy's freaking insane. This guy blew him out of the water. He was so crazy. <laughs> He's wild. And then he just turned it all around. His lawyer must have finally called him back and was like, dude. Because he was going to go to jail the next day if he didn't. Yeah. Well, look, so. I think what we all should take from here is that there's something. We don't know what it is. But there's something seriously wrong going on in the Trump camp, in the Trump White House. No. That's what it is. No, I, it's, I, it's I don't think that. I, I, I think this guy's just nuts. I, I'm... Uh, like this guy, I, I think he felt threatened by um, by Mueller uh, for whatever reason. But I think it could have just been a, per, a like a personal conviction that he Eddie, had. This guy was not very. We have we have six guilty pleas, I think, already. Yeah, look, the White and House. And how many indictments? Twenty five. Quite a few. Something quite a few. like that. Well, look, he might. Yeah, he might even be personally threatened. Fire. But I don't think that. The, like I don't think this goes all the way up to the top. I think so, this guy wasn't okay. even that like to, high up. To clarify, to clarify, you think that there's this, there was this subsection of the Trump campaign that was all with Russia, but then Trump and his top aides and his top uh, people were not there and not. Well, look, we already that. know that. Um, what's his face? The guy we're always talking about. Manafort. Manafort. Yeah, Manafort. We, we already know he's a corrupt Manafort. figure and that he's had he's connections. Um, to the extent that other that other people have had uh, connection to the Russian government, I'm not sure. But my point is that Trump himself did not collude with the Russian government in order to sway the election, and that there is no evidence that points to that still. In fact, there, the evidence is now pointing to the fact that that didn't happen, and that there's people who are lower in the campaign uh, that were doing shady business, and that just shows the incompetence of the campaign, which I'm willing to concede that this was an inexperienced campaign run by an inexperienced guy who doesn't that's the I truth. don't believe this is look this this is what I think I used to work in a sushi place right did you I really could, yes I did it was very I'll tell you about that later but fun, fun facts with Raj yay yeah. anyways I was not making sushi rolls without the advice or the um, you know uh, ideas of the you know my, my head boss and the thing is, all these people in the Trump campaign, they can't collude with Russia without permission from Trump. They can't collude with all these groups without having some kind of um, some kind of orders from higher up. So, you know, it's so not. So, where's like, the collusion? What, what, what did we're the, waiting, we're so waiting on it. So, what does the Russian government do? Fire. So far, the Russian government has posted Facebook memes. 
That's what they've done. All right, and that great. Influence voters. Yeah, there's actually say. no evidence that they did. Look, there's no evidence that it actually influenced any voters. It's happening in Italy. It happened in France. It happened in Germany. It's going on everywhere. Russia is at is is the so bad wait. Guy if it's here. going they on really everywhere, are. then how is the Trump campaign like colluding with them for that? Why aren't they just doing? Because it's populist all over the globe, and like Eddie, like. And they all support Russia. That's how Congress it is. Congress almost unanimously. We talked about this in the last episode. Congress almost unanimously passed sanctions, sanctions. on Russia. Mm-hmm. Trump literally was like, F off, I'm not implementing those. Congress almost unanimously passed money for the NSA to defend the 2018 election from Russian meddling. Trump won't give the NSA director permission to use any of that money. And that means something is wrong. Something is Something wrong. is up. I don't think that necessarily means that, but like, look... Until there's evidence, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say that there's no collusion because there's just I just don't see the evidence for it. And like you can like connect dots wherever you want, and you can say like you well, know based Eddie's on a partisan. Hopefully, hat. Eddie one day will be <laughs> on this podcast, all of us together. He has to shriek the quad if there's yeah, Russian collusion. No, and I will. All right, deal. If there's, uh, if there's we've collusion, we'll shriek the pod. So if, we, can, we can let leave it to Mueller. Like, give him time. Yeah, give him time. And look, and we'll get back to it. Hey, and, and look, I trust the guy. I think let's, he's, I mean, he's very confident. But here's the thing. Like here's the thing. Like. We can keep talking about this, and I'm perfectly open to talk about it. And as the evidence comes out, like let's let's look at it. And I'm willing to change my mind on this, obviously, if more evidence comes out. Mm-hmm. But the until then, like <laughs> if this turns out to be nothing, look, you guys get smoked in the next like election. We're streaking the quad. Then. Yeah, you guys are streaking the quad. We'll, if it we'll turns do it out together. to be a nothing burger. Raj was probably going to streak the quad anyways. Because Trump's not going to shut up about fun. it. He's not going to shut not. up about like this whole. Uh, media and Democrat uh, witch hunt on him uh, well, about no. about collusion, well, and Nixon, he's going to be able to run his entire Nixon campaign. Nixon said he off wasn't a crook, but look look what happened to him. Didn't stay very long. Hi. <laughs> We're doing the Nixon peace signs since you can't see. We're adding a video element to this at some one point. Day we will. One day, one okay, day. So cool. it'll be like Infowars. Look, we're up to thirty-seven minutes, but we have one very important subject oh, to boy. talk we about. We started talking about this before the podcast, and all I, right, I just about. I need complete silence for this one. Can this? Can this please be Stormy Daniels? No, we're not talking about. Oh, we, we actually Sam. wait. Can we talk no, about that real quick? No, hold on a second. Hold this on. is the first president in. This is a historical moment, Lucas. I don't think you understand what's going on here. This is the first president. To be sued by a porn star. porn star. Yes, this is incredible. Porn star. So I knew he would make history. He's already made history in many aspects. No, this is just another one. This is, one. This is, the best one, this is well. Shot. This is by far my favorite. Um, wow. Like, who, who wants to start with this? Go, go ahead, Raj. Me? I want to hear what oh you have to say about this. He had, his wife was pregnant or had just had a kid, and he was sleeping with a porn star. Oh, it sounds like a lot of rich white men. That's for sure. Or just rich man in general. Look, this whole thing, I tweeted this, I retweeted this tweet the other you day. You like to tweet a lot. You, you do, don't you, Lucas? These, you also like to make up your own fake campaign for 2052. That also is funny. Ready for <laughs> Lucas.com? Oh my god. Non-tax deductible oh, donations I accepted. I'd love you if you want. I would too. Kidding. I would too. Okay. This whole campaign should have ended when he made fun of the person with special needs at yeah. his rally. It mm. should have been done. In, in our civilized society, a presidential campaign should have ended at that point. I'm surprised so I don't you didn't even say that Hollywood access tape. That, that was that was after the yeah, that's special needs. I, I remember that, exactly where I was during that time. I don't remember a lot of things perfectly, but I remember like that tape. I remember Sandy Hook, which I know is completely different. Um, God bless those children. I feel really I, Connecticut. I feel so bad for this day. It's been on such a downhill. But I remember just like a few moments of my life. When my when my dad first fell sick. All those, but for some reason, you know that 
that thing about um, the the bus with Billy Bush, that's his name, that stuck out to me too. As in that just that defined politics for me in such a new way that I was so I just did not understand it at the time. Yeah, it was really it was really quite something. Uh, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. Like that was really shocking to me too. And I remember uh, my mom actually texted me. She said Trump's done, and I was like, "What's going on?" And I looked up, and sure enough, there was that video. And but I he think wasn't this is done. this is yeah no. And and you know what that is? I think that is absolute and uh, definitive proof of just how bad of a candidate Hillary Clinton was. That's very that true. Even yeah, after all of that, that. Yes, she huzzah. still managed to lose to the, the guy with the Axis Hollywood tape. But look. I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, I totally don't but we've remember. we've come to that part of the podcast. Someone else talk. I don't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> okay, guys, Bernie Sanders would not have won. Hold on, wait. If, oh, hold, on, wait, 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 hold on, wait, Complete silence. Complete silence. Bernie would have won. No. Talk about it. No. All right, Eddie, you go first. Okay, we'll so go the, the, the room. argument here is that if if the Democrats didn't rig the primary in oh favor of Hillary Clinton, that Bernie Sanders would... Uh, not only have won the primary, okay. obviously, that he would have won the general election. And I'm here to say that that is complete and utter that bullshit. Obviously, true. all backstory, of the conversation here forward is going to be speculative and not based oh on really God. anything. But Eddie, let's, literally let's, let's get it going. We, everything we talk about on this podcast is speculative. Yeah, we're just kind of talking out of our asses we, here. <laughs> okay, so this backstory. We were getting ready for our podcast, and we decided to talk about Bernie Sanders. I don't know why. Why are we I still agree. talking about Bernie Sanders? Why are we he's like about this he's like 110 years old. Um, but. Some of us argue that if Bernie Sanders would have won the primary, he would have won the general election, and then I shut them all up because I wanted to talk about it on the podcast. So Bernie would have won. I've just won. been burning to talk about oh, this. Well, feel the burn. I'm feeling the burn. There's something to say here. I mean, I'm from Seattle. I'm from oh Washington. my God! We're stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Wow. Look, wow, 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 I'm jealous here. of you. Um, Bernie had a lot of love. Yeah, obviously, he won the primary in Washington. There's still there's an our revolution. It's an organization for Bernie Kratz in Washington. It's huge. Huge. Um, anyways, point being, um, I think Bernie had a, again his was really a populism movement at its heart. Again, very similar to Trump, and I think Bernie true. would have had a very good chance at winning those states that made the difference in the election, like Michigan, oh, yeah. like Wisconsin, where we have a lot of poor workers who would have sympathized with a lot of the same messages that Bernie and Trump both had. I think Bernie would have had a good shot at winning those states that were formerly blue and would have uh, helped them in the general election. Rob, you're on. Okay, excellent. So here's my opinion, right? So. I'm a centrist, like, and I know you guys. <laughs> what do we call them? Please stop. Can we talk about that after this? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Look, and I know, like, you guys both, like, Kenneth and, and Lucas, you both are pretty good Democrats. I am too, to an extent. I have been for a long time. Eddie, I know you're Republican, but centrists like me, most of us, we vote based on character. We vote based on who we feel is a good person and who will be the best person to to represent all Americans in the White House. Now. As a centrist, I feel like the majority of Americans don't identify completely with party lines because both parties at the core are really messed up at this time. So if the we're Democrats looking solely on character, it. we would I, I 100% would have voted for Bernie Sanders if we're voting on character because that man, also populist like Donald Trump, you know, was a candid character, completely honest. Although you know, a lot of his views are not that strong. Like a lot of Trump's views, you know, not a lot of uh, backing, intellectual backing behind it. I still feel that he could have won. He would have won. See, this is the thing about centrists. Such a, a better person. Like, All right, t- tell me. Tell Raj, me. this is incoherent speak coming from you. You said you value corporations. I do. And, and you're talking about 
Bernie Sanders as the candidate you would have voted for. I do because when the, most of his economic policies is just completely it. incoherent. Look, but I would rather have someone who's against corporations than someone who demonizes women, demonizes minorities, and and uses the uh, you know the hate and racism in society to bring themselves up. Retweet. That's the truth. I love private corporations all my life. I hope I can join one one day. But the truth is, don't, yeah, I'm sorry. Make the big bucks. Make, uh, no, maybe just be part of something that can actually do change rather than the government who can do nothing. But here's the truth. Well, private corporations can do stuff. Government cannot. I'll let you guys talk. Well, look, here, here's the thing. If private corporations can do stuff and government cannot, then I would care a lot more about the actual policies being pushed by a uh, a government rather than just the person who's doing it. I don't care about like I mean I do care obviously about the integrity of the office and I do cringe quite a bit when I hear some of the things that comes out of Trump's mouth and mm-hmm. throughout the both in the campaign and now and I think yeah there's a lot of stuff that he's said and a lot of things that I will say are inexcusable for anyone but also uh, more importantly the president of the United States. Correct. That being said, the policies that he's pushed and that he's gotten through during this first year. Please don't do terrorists. Please, God. Please don't make <laughs> this. trade war begins tomorrow. Do um, you see? Not with Mexico and Canada. Tariffs aside, the policies that have come out, I, I say are pretty good. And a, a damn lot better than if Bernie Sanders were president. So, yeah, I, I sure. He might be a nice old man that you can sit down and have a... I don't think he's that nice. I don't, yeah. No, have he, a better he, he, he might be an interesting old man. No, who, I met him in person. He's kind of rude. He always gives off this very, like... Oh, I hate the world so much. Like I, I know well, you. Know, the point is, to, the to point is, honest. if you want to sit down with him and talk about his vacationing in Soviet Russia, like you can do that, and like <laughs> I'm sure it'd be really interesting. But the point is, I care more about the policies. And if you say the corporations are more effective in enacting change, then I'd rather a government to be implemented that will step back and allow Look, corporations to do that instead of just attacking them. There, there's That's this the stigma with Bernie Sanders. He is not a seize-the-means-of-production socialist. He is a socialist ah. that, like, democratic socialism is an important, there's an important distinction between that and social, like seize-the-means-socialism. And that's, we want to build on public roads, we want to build on public schools, we want to build on public safety. On health care, for God's sake. On public health care, on public education. These are the things that democratic socialists care about. It's already the system in place in America, it's just democratic socialists embrace that system instead of wanting to tear it apart like people like Eddie and Ted Cruz. <laughs> I think the thing that sets democratic socialists back the most is the fact that they call democratic socialists. Everybody Isn't hates that a problem words. in itself that the socialist has such a stigma around it? No, yeah. it's no, not. I it's don't, not. I don't are, think, no. Are we still in the like, red the, Okay, the stigma around socialism is really? well deserved socialism based on and a plethora of historical evidence. It's disgusting to the core. And the fact, look, oh democratic socialists still are in the red Venezuela, scare. folks. This is not the red scare. This is reality. In the look f- at Venezuela. Look it's at Venezuela. happening right now. That's in front a of fake eyes. form of socialism. That's fascism. At okay, oh it's, always, it's always a fake form. Everything like, if I was fake. in charge, it would it would have worked. Like, you know, this is okay. This is the common talking point of every socialist, where it's like, well, that was fake socialism. It was never that was fake socialism. Properly. Same with communism. What? People say this about communism, where it's like, well, if I was in charge of this form of communism, then it would work. Ask no, it just doesn't any work. economist. We are closer to a form of socialism than. We are a form of capitalism. Like our mixed economy is closer to socialism. That's not true. That's it not is. true. It's a mixed economy, sure, but we have more capitalist ideals than we have socialist. Why? Why? Why do private entities have such a a big say in our economy rather than um, the people or like big government? Because That's fascism. 
Hold on now. Hold on now. What? How? The marriage of corporations and state is fascism. Well, I'm not. I'm saying that private corporations have more of a say than government. They're kind of com- uh, different entities. I think what you're trying to fascism. say is not that they. In, that is not that they That's have not a. It is fascism. I don't think. I, I'll fight you. I, I'm gonna try Please. to like. I'm gonna try to try to Please. decode what you're saying here because I, I think we're we're kind of talking in different. Uh, with the, yeah, I think I think what you mean is that corporations have a higher capacity to enact change that reflects what the people want more so than government does. Which Bingo. doesn't mean that Bingo. corporations have a foot in government and and enacting it through that. But just that us as individual stakeholders, uh, we can actually uh, the go- corporations are more responsive exactly. to the wants and needs of the people. And that's why we have stocks and everything. That's why the stock market, all these Dow Jones, S&P 500, that's why it means so much, is because the people have a stake in these corporations. The people don't have a stake in government. Government doesn't have to answer to you. No, yes, because the bureaucracy controls the government. If but not in the way that corporations the do. Corporations if die if, you don't, if they don't answer to Look what happened to Lehman Brothers. Look what happened to all these corporations that compete against one another. They die if they don't have public support. Government will go on forever, if, even if it doesn't have support, just that's because it is true. the government. Yes, yeah. because it's so inefficient. What about revolutions? We have us as taxpayers, is, we give money to the government, and they can take that money, and they don't have to return to us what we give them. But we have a choice with private corporations. We can say, look, I support the ideas of Tesla. I am going to give them my money over Coke Industries, right? And that makes sure that Tesla has an edge over Coke Industries, and they do better. But taxes, you're required to pay to all these areas of the government, and they can do whatever they want. There is no say. You, there really isn't. You... You replace your representative in Congress if they don't serve you. It's a lot harder said than done. A lot no, it's harder not. done than said. No, we're going to do it. Oh, gonna, my, oh my gosh. Let me tell you Congress how to, is going to change a private corporation. You t- simply go online to E-Trade. You take out your stock and that's it. To get what does that a do? congressman out. Look, I bought stock in Fitbit two days ago. If I pull my stock out of Fitbit... Because I'm pissed at them. Nothing is going to change. Not, not, yeah. No single individual can enact the kind of change that you're that that, yeah. either of us are describing through government or for, through any other means. But, but what I think we're trying to say here is that if a wave of people... It, like, let's, let's use Fitbit as an example. If Fitbit does something <laughs> or says something that is egregious... Look, it was a we... stock to watch on Investopedia. I bought it. <laughs> I don't care about right. Fitbit. So, okay, so let, let's say they do something. We if if, if we don't Nick like what they're doing... Day. If we collect, is he over there? Yeah. One day, yeah. ladies and gentlemen, I know you can't see him, but he's a blonde-haired man who looks a lot like Eric Trump. We're and one day, on he podcast. will come on this podcast and he will preach his ideology to you, and you will all be aroused. When Eddie and I, when Eddie and I were mad at each other, there was a vote to replace him with Nick on the podcast. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, I unaware know, of if, this. If you bring Nick on the podcast, it might just be a Nick's podcast, yeah. not anyone else's podcast. Yeah, because he will oh, let and he talk. would just yeah. smoke you. But no, I okay. The point is, the point is. Me individually, if I pull my, if I'm mad at Fitbit, if I'm mad at Fitbit and I pull my stock out, that's not going to do anything. If I get a group of people to pull their stock out of Fitbit, like a giant group of people, that might do something. If I singularly change my vote for my congressman's challenger, that's not going to do anything. If I'm pissed at my congressman and get a group of people together, there's no equivalence to change their vote. No, because it's the here's the thing: you like the Democrat who says they're going to do something and then they don't do it. This that's not necessarily true. No, politicians break their promises routinely, so it doesn't you matter. You are such a cynic. Well, I, I'm I'm a cynic based think on of, evidence. Look, think about it like this: 
If you have a problem with a Congress of a senator, you have to wait six years to get him out of office. If you have a problem with a corporation, you can you can go online and take cha- make change right now. It doesn't even have, it can be immediate. How? How? Well, I, oh, oh my goodness, Lucas! Wow, very rude. Um, but, I'll tell you how. I'll tell you how. You why go are you online. File complaint to Amazon. They're going to change their whole policy. What? No, that's not going to do anything. But I'll tell you what. You go online. You're you the go, one who just said the Parkland. Um, the like the the Parkland survivors well, who were tweeting have, about they have a platform of over a million people each. I don't. I know, and like obviously we Not don't yet. all have like it, equal influence. Thanks, Kenny, no my problem, biggest fan. No Look, if I had a million followers on Twitter, then yeah, I might influence Fitbit. If I had a million followers on Twitter, then I might influence my congressman. But look at this. I don't. I have five hundred ninety-seven followers. If we're basing our argument on Twitter here, you have random people tweeting all this funny stuff, and they get thousands of reshares, right? Retweets? Oh, whatever. I don't care. You guys have this weird lingo. Listen, if I say something about a corporation online, if I make an action online, then, you know, uh, corporations can take change based on how many people reshare that or retweet that, right? So what I'm trying to say is with Congress, when Senate, it's it's really inefficient. But you can make change immediately when it comes to uh, when it comes to private corporations, there's just so much bureaucracy, so much law that is holding us back from making a change in Congress that it just cannot be done in the same efficient manner that it is with corporations. Done. Okay, so Bernie would have not won. In conclusion, oh my God, no, Bernie would have no, won. He no. appealed. Bernie did so well in those primaries he in did. the states that Hillary lost. That's all I need to say. Look, Trump had something that Bernie didn't because what, here's, what here's did Trump what, have? Well, Trump had literally the, nothing. Oh no, because a there, porn star. No, I don't there was a building. That. There was a building resentment towards the media's treatment of Republicans and Republican uh, policy throughout. Uh, well, for decades now, and I think Trump had yeah, the ability to stand up to the media and say, "Look, we're not going to take that anymore. We're gonna we're I'm, we're gonna call to you the out." Media. For... He declared a war on the free press. You don't do that. That's okay. The first few months of Trump's the presidency, been... they weren't allowed to have cameras or even recorders yeah, in the press room anymore. To say that the free press has been quashed and are nothing but exuberant <laughs> about this current administration is to lie because they love it and they're getting more ratings than ever. They're getting more no, clicks than ever. That doesn't but, mean that they're the right to free or whatever it is free press wasn't quashed in some way yeah they were doing well but like eddie they couldn't even record what the press secretary was saying that is unprecedented i don't think that quashes the the first not being able to report on to be in the the room with the person spokesperson of the white house of the president that's concerning to a degree where he picks and chooses these right degree right White ring uh, organizations like Breitbart, they get to be in there, but no, not CNN, not Washington Post, not these mainstream or- organizations that pro- provide solid foundational news for everyone across the United States. Look, I'm down for transparency, but I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's fair to go that far as to say that the f- that the First Amendment is at risk because that happened. The I, First I, Amendment was being quashed. It was. When you call all the the are I, I hate to use the word mainstream. I guess like the most accredited. I think accredited is a better word. Um, press fake news. That that's a that's a concern. When, I like having Kenny on. Yeah, there. when you have all these like these like New York Times and Washington Post, they are like the most read for a reason because they publish the most solid, reliable information. And there's a reason why Breitbart are read by these uh, right wing little rabbit holes that they go and hide in and foster their own conspiracy theories. Do people actually read Breitbart or do we just you, talk about you it? You know, I hope not. 
I hope people don't watch read Brett Burr or watch Alex Jones out. Eddie watches Alex but, Jones uh, every morning. That's like how he wakes up. Okay, just for the record, I don't read Breitbart. I don't watch Alex Jones. Well, that's um, that's good. I have plenty of of right leaning news outlets, and I also read. No, I, I also do read Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the New York and that's, Times. And that's also I want to clarify my point. Like, that's not to say that like right wing news organizations like Bloomberg are completely you know out there wrong. Like they have a lot of they are accredited as well. Yeah, so anyway, but my main point about the Bernie thing is that Trump had this ability to stand up to the media and say, hey, look, we're, I'm going to call you out when you lie about me and when you lie about Republicans, and that Bernie didn't have that because even if he, even if he won the primaries against the will of the media, the media would have still rallied around him and it would have made him appear to be more establishment than he actually was. I know we're running a little bit over time now, but... A little? Okay, fine, a lot, but... This has been so fun, though. Let's agree on this. We need more candidates in the Republican Party and the Democratic Party that are more like Bernie Sanders and less like Hillary Clinton. No, I disagree with that. Really? You want more people's candidates? I know we can push this over another 15 minutes on this conversation, but People's candidates. I think people who... Okay, like, look. Bernie Sanders is... I think he's bringing forth an ideology and policies that are kind of. No, I agree. But Ted Cruz isn't. I don't think so. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. No, I no. I'll wait, agree with wait, Eddie. Can we can we get to the? I know this is a great conversation. I think we can agree to disagree on whether or not Bernie would have won. That's a hypothetical. Bernie would have won. I don't like him Lu- that much. Lucas did want to have something that we talk about before we close, so I think this is important that we discuss that. I have no idea what you're talking about. You said there was one thing we wanted to talk about. Was that the Bernie Sanders thing? That was the Bernie. That Sanders was the Bernie Sanders thing. Sanders okay, thing. well we wow, talked about. It looks like we're done so. then. Wow. All right, so let's horrendous. let's go ahead and thank Raj and Kenny for being this on was the. Awesome. I was honored to be on here. Absolutely, the joy of my life. I was so a, excited. Uh, we we have to do this again. We will do it again. Please, have to at least like once a season idea. or something. Speaking of washing free once press, we did leave our our fifth wheel out of this. Our friend Eric, he asked <laughs> yeah. to be he asked to be on the podcast, and we said no. Maybe well, if he's not. Make we, a pop culture section. He could be included there. Well, like talking about rap minutes. music and sports, and that's about it. Like two minutes at the end, perhaps. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Roger. Oh my God. Hey, thank you, everyone. Hey, everyone, go wonk yourself. Go right. wonk yourself. Go wonk yourself. <laughs>